Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. All right, today we're going to talk about how your happiness makes me want to puke. (laughs) When positivity is toxic. (laughs) We're going to talk about what toxic positivity is and some different forms of it, why toxic positivity can be harmful, and some implications for all of us. And this is just such an interesting topic because I think that it's just beaten into us. Perhaps this is a cultural thing, but I think for me, at least, I have noticed that it's beaten into us that positivity is the way to go, that optimism will conquer all. And especially in the realm of leadership and organizations, that you've got to be the rah-rah cheerleader and and have positivity and get out that, you know, when we talk about toxic toxic things in organizations or toxicity, we are usually referring to or implying the negative stuff. So, but we're going to focus on toxic positivity. Yeah, that's right. So, you go into an organization, it's been toxic forever, but everybody plasters on that smile. Hey, it's great around here. Boy, <laughs> hey. oh boy, I love swimming in this cesspool of primordial ooze, and it's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we're going to draw upon two different articles today that we thought were, were good overviews of this idea. And to kind of kick us off and talk about what toxic positivity is and some different forms of it, we're going to draw upon this article called What is Toxic Positivity by Kendra Cherry. And we'll, of course, put a link to this in the show notes. But this, uh, this article is a good one because it talks about kind of what this whole idea is and, and why it's a problem and some ways to deal with it. Right. So one example of toxic positivity is... After someone's experienced a loss, which Ben, right, you you experienced a loss in your family right. with your youngest, um, people tell you, well, everything happens for a reason. Mm. And it, it's not that reason that somebody, well, yeah, they had cancer that wasn't treatable. It, it's as if there's some higher order to really garbage things happening. Right, right. And, and sometimes this comes from uh, people who have come from a strong place of faith, yet they somehow have a theological idea that God is some sort of, um, you know, puppet master. And I think that's fairly theologically indefensible. There are much better ways to think about things. And, um, you know, so people tell you everything happens for a reason, or, you know, I think some other examples of this might be if, you know, maybe you're having, someone's having a tough time or expresses some negativity and, you just say, well, at least blah, 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 or it could be worse. Or, hey, you know, look on the bright side. Oh, I, I heard of someone who also had a, a death in their family, a, a sudden unnatural loss. And, uh, you know, they were telling us that, you know, somebody said to them, well, at least he didn't get COVID. I was like, what? Right now, that's kind of out re- outside the realm of this toxic positivity thing. That's just obtuse comments right right but these comments are shutting down people's grief their actual feelings what's really going on and it's kind of a glaze like almost if you hear something like that that person's either so obtusely out of touch 
or they're just trying to shut down hearing about it. And this happens in our organizations when people maybe voice displeasure with something or say, you know, we're all talking about how great this idea is or how great things are. I actually don't see it that way. And then that gets shut down. Uh, those person's views and perspectives are invalidated. Uh, and that's what toxic positivity positivity can really do. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about um, what toxic positivity is. And, and, you know, it's 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 more than just, you know, stressing the importance of optimism. Like optimism is a good thing, but it's about as I quote from the article, it minimizes and denies any trace of human emotions that aren't strictly happy or positive. Yeah. What, what's another one of those? Happiness is a choice. Mm -hmm. It's like, did you guys even read Victor Frankl? <laughs> you know, like imagine being, you know, in some of the worst times of human history, War II, you're in a concentration camp and you're like, well, guys, happiness is a choice. As if you can just stop looking at reality and just paint the emotion you want to have. And that's mm -hmm. like a pill. Like, so I remember we were talking about this before the show, um, antidepressant pills, you know, back in the day when Prozac was going to just do everything. We know now that it does some things well and, and isn't it a cure-all. But it mentioned there was a pill that would just make you happy all the time. Mm -hmm. it, it would be, what a horrible existence. So that was the other thing we yeah. were talking about before. We we're talking about a piece of poetry. Yeah. And poetry explores the gamut of human emotion and human experience. And yet it seems like in our organizational lives and in our interpersonal social lives, except with our very, very closest friend. Hey, I can only get down and dirty about how I really feel with one or two people. Right. Yeah. And in our communities and especially on social media. Yeah, the two things you can do on social media right now is fight about politics, and then paint your Instagram perfect world. <laughs> what? This is not, nobody would take it. You're happy all the time, happy all the time, happy all the time. You run over your wife's cat, and then it's okay. You can't, you're like, it's cool. We could just get another one because I'm just happy all the time. Mm. That, that's yeah. not a world to live in. Guys. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a, um, a good example of this, I think. Uh, and it's kind of exaggerating for illustrative purposes, but it's funny. And yet it also is kind of a, um, you know, a negative side to this is if you've ever seen the, the, the Lego Ninjago movie. So these Lego movies are hilarious. They're they're but they have also are just, uh, deep and insightful in some, some different ways. Well, it, there's this little town of these Lego people, right? And there's this song in the background that basically the government plays this song all the time. It goes, everything is awesome, right? Everything is cool when you're part of the team. It's like this just indoctrination type thing. It's this toxic positivity. And I think, you know, when I think back to organizations I've been part of in different teams, you know, I've seen elements of that sometimes where it's like, if you're not feeling it, if you're not, you know, expressing the, the happy uh, front, then you're wrong. And I think if, if we know anything about, complex decision making and problem solving it's that we can't just view things in one way yeah you know oh it's 2020 and everything's falling apart but you know what billy did something good yesterday only focus on the positive well that's that's just partly true but i think the problem ben is we don't have a clear playbook on behavioral norms 
around grief, sadness, and maybe the not so optimized emotions that people tend to want to hear, right? Right, right. I mean, positivity is probably, I, I would say certainly is more culturally accepted. It's um, generally more pleasant to deal with. You know, if I'm pre presenting my idea, for example, to my team, it's a much easier day if they all just, you know, say how great it is, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> hey, now, I, I'm going to tell you something really challenging. <laughs> you guys are going to smile and tell me it's the best idea ever. Ready? Right. Now, Go. <laughs> now, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I've, over the years, gained a little bit of perspective that suggests that, you know, if that happens, then no, I want to actually drive some negativity there and say, look, no, I need you really to poke holes in this that, or, or, you know, del deliberately throw a bad idea at them, see if they react jubilantly to it and then say, no, that was garbage. You should have said it was garbage. Now I know you guys lie to me on the regular. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <I> gotcha. <laughs> How's that for some positivity? That's right. That's right. Um, so the the problem with toxic positivity is that it shuts down people's real emotions and it it, sh it can shut down the truth or at least a perspective of the truth which is valuable in that context um so you know i think it, it's very important for us to recognize this as being a, a real downside in terms of what can happen in organizations when we're trying to manage people's emotions Right. And lots of times. So since we do have, at least in the United States, such a bias to this positivity, if somebody does break through and say something negative, like I'm grieving this right now or I'm having a hard time, when you just focus on the positive, you, you avoid giving that person the real support that they need to cope with a hard time. We're social yeah. creatures. We need each other. And that means that person's going to bury those negative emotions and they're mm -hmm. not actually going to get to grow through and heal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well said. So, you know, there's a couple of other aspects of emotions in organizations that we can touch on here. And, um, you know, this is a whole research area. We'll post a link in the show notes to uh, a good review article that if you're really interested, can dig into and get get a kind of a scholarly perspective on how we think about emotions in organizations and in the workplace. Um, but you know, one big piece of this uh, that people in psychology have studied is this idea of positive and negative affect, and this has to do with kind of your general view of the world. Um, and this is somewhat akin to a personality trait. Some people may argue that it's not, but that's not really relevant here. It's it's a more or less somewhat stable part of our, our existence. It can certainly be changed by external circumstances, but you know, someone with positive affectivity tends to th see things in a more positive way in general, and more, more negative affect, um, they see things in a more um, negative way. And, you know, that's just a, a feature of who they are. And there are positives and negatives to to both ways of viewing the world. Yeah. I, and some of it, you know, just because you have a negative way of viewing the world doesn't mean you're a bad person or can't be fun at a party. Right. Sure. Uh, I tutored these Serbian refugee kids back when I lived in Nashville. And I remember their mom. I'd say, well, hello, Miss So-and-so. How are you doing today? And she's like, well, I'm not dead. And the first time I was like, wait, 
wait, what? <laughs> and then it was just like, I'm glad you're alive, ma'am. And, you know, and, and you could have some, you can still be a negative affect person and have a good time. And actually there's some stuff from the literature that people that have negative affect tend to see things more accurately. Right. Because right. They're, they're not scared to, to view some negative. Yeah. Or, and they don't view it because they're so used to negative affect things having a plus and a minus to them. It's just part of how the world's put together. Right. Right. So I think understanding that there's a role for, for both is important and, and understanding that, you know, if you're only viewing things through a positive lens, now don't get me wrong. I am all about hope. <laughs> I am all about optimism and, you know, trying to make a difference and have some meaning in this world. That's all fantastic. Um, at the same time, you know, seeing things as they really are is very important as well. And I think we run the risk, perhaps, if we force ourselves to only be optimistic, if we force ourselves to only be positive, to overlook some things that may be actually quite wrong. And, uh, you know, I think back to some of the principles or the hallmarks of high reliability. Uh, when we talk about high reliability organizations, these organizations in which Due to the nature of their work, there's, you would expect a whole lot more accidents than actually happen. And one reason that they don't have as many accidents is that they have a preoccupation with failure. They are very keenly attuned with what possibly could happen, and they look out for it. So I think keeping that in mind is, is very important. Right. And a lot of this touches on the idea of acting. Yeah. And and we did one about how you present at work. What was that episode? Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't know. We've yeah, so something many like now. that. But, um, you know, we have there's acting in organizations mm -hmm. um, and there's two types of acting. Ben, maybe you could cover these uh, deep acting and surface acting. That's right. So this ties into the uh, entire literature on emotional labor, which, um, you know, more narrowly defined in the organizational sciences than in the pop literature is more about getting paid to have an, a certain type of emotion. Uh, so you can think of, for example, someone at the local fast food restaurant or, uh, you know, someone at Disney or someone on a cruise. Right? Um, you could think about uh, flight attendants. They have very specific what we call display rules for how they should act in that context. And uh, there are kind of two ways that a person can approach that. They can approach that as I'm just, you know, I'm not feeling it today. I'm just going to kind of I'm going to put on a happy face and try to get through it. That's what we call surface acting. And then there's what we call deep acting, which is like, no, I'm going to actually feel happy, right? Instead of just saying that I'm happy and smiling. Uh, so those are kind of two, two different approaches toward acting in organizations. And there are some you know, positive and negatives associated with, with both approaches. Maybe we can cover that in another episode, but uh, it's a very interesting topic that I think um, relates to this idea of, of toxic positivity. Uh, and being forced to have certain emotions in your organization. Right. So surface is just that every day. Yeehaw. Deep acting is you read some crazy guru book on how you're never supposed to feel negative emotions. And you look at a mirror covered with post-it notes <laughs> with baloney written on them. And, and you try to trick yourself. And I got to say that if that well, trick in yourself is going to lead to some psychological unhealthy. Yeah. So the, the surface there. acting is actually more of the tricking yourself than the deep acting, right? Deep acting, surface acting is like, I'm going to try to, 
um, you know, just plaster this on, even though I'm not really feeling it. And so there's a dissonance between right, what but you're the expressing. deep acting is trying to trick your inner self, right? But that, that you're could not going to feel it, right? Right, but that could be a, a decent thing, right? You could think of, you know, gosh, I really don't want to play with my children today. I'm not feeling it, right? But you could deep act and say, no, I'm going to change how I think about this, and I'm going to enjoy this moment because this moment is important to me, and it's important in the life of this child. Like ah, that. I didn't know so, this. See, so, learn here. Mean, yeah, so I mean, um, so there are some uh, some negative. I, we'd have to go dig into the literature a little bit more. I don't want to get outside my specific area of expertise, but you know, the um, there are some negative out, outcomes from the surface acting over long periods of time because you're just it's much more duplicitous than deep acting is. Okay, all right. So, well, let's talk about why toxic positivity can be harmful. Mm. Yes, indeed. So uh, we can draw again from uh, the good article that we we posted already, or we talked about from Kendra Cherry. She uh, talks about a few different things about why it's harmful. And and one reason is that it it, kind of shames people, right? If someone is having a negative emotion, either because of something in their personal life or because of something that's jacked up in the organization, (laughs) you know, um, they want and they need to know that what they're feeling is normal or it's okay. And when you force this norm of being positive all the time, you're invalidating that. And that, that can be very hurtful to that person and, and also shut down a good perspective that you might want or need in your team. Right. So, so many times when we were coaching executive teams and stuff on how to get their organizations to go, they experience what we call wheel spin. You know, they just can't get traction. Why won't things move? I put this out. But if you create this cognitive dissonance between how things really are and how what people say how they are, then you're going to have a hard time getting, you know, don't be honest about the problems. Don't be honest about the problems. Don't be honest about the problems. We're about to go bankrupt. Be honest about the problems. And you're like, wait, you just had eight years of not being honest about the problems. I, mm-hmm. I'm so confused. What should I do? I, this is insanity. You don't want to develop cultures in your organizations where people aren't talking about stuff that's jacked up. Right, right. You you want people to bring you bad news. Yeah, you, you want don't want to keep getting bad news. <laughs> Fix the problems in your org, guys. Come right, on. Right, right. Yeah, it's not that those problems don't exist if they're not talking about them. They still exist. They're just being hidden. You know, another reason why the uh, toxic positive positivity is harmful is that it can make people feel guilty, right? If it's like, oh, well, I guess I should be positive, but that's not how I feel. And, you know, I guess I'm wrong. And it's... It's not fair. Right. You know, and it avoids authentic human emotion. Mm -hmm. Right. This is avoidance 101, guys. It is. You know, so and and this is so much of our social media is around this. You know, I mommy blogs play to this guilt factor in my view, like we'll probably get emails stoning me, but like, oh, look how my kids are perfectly dressed on the way out to school. I didn't cut the little hot dog pieces in the shape of an octopus from this really cool Japanese blog that I saw over here. And my house is fabulously perfectly clean. And and then you just binge on that stuff. And you're like, I am such a failure as a parent. I didn't <laughs> even know you could cut hot dogs into the shape of an octopus. You know, all this, this is not real. This is, and, and the thing is, it's like, 
we know it's not real. Like we have so many articles on how Instagram influencers are posing in fake. I think out in LA, they even have a fake fuselage of an airplane's private jet. So it can look like they're on a private jet flying somewhere exotic, but it's all hosed and plastic. And then you got the other data when people spend a bunch of time looking at that stuff, they feel bad about themselves, even though they know it's garbage. And and the guys, no. Yeah. Well, and, and along the same lines, you know, if you're in an environment in which everyone is, you know, making you feel like you should be positive and you're not feeling that way, then over time you could start to feel like, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't really feel negative emotions. And then when you do feel them, you start to dismiss them, you shove them down or whatever, and that's not helpful for your own mental well-being either. Um, you know, another thing that, another reason why it's harmful is that it just prevents growth um, within, you know, for you, you personally and for your team and organization because facing what's wrong in the world, what's wrong in your life um, is important. And sometimes that requires you to deal with some very challenging feelings. Uh, you know, we've experienced that certainly in some of our engagements with senior leadership teams where there's a lot of avoidance. There's kind of the posturing that occurs where it's like, oh, everything's going well, you know, nothing to see here. And and no, like there there are real problems and we need to work through those in order for this organization to flourish. So uh, it can really prevent the growth that that's necessary. Right. So many people think that, oh, I, I'm going to grow to that place, but I'm going to do it sitting in my, you know, re lazy boy recliner with, you know, a cocktail in my hand and then ta-da, I'm, I'm better. Mm -hmm. That's not how personal growth goes, guys. <laughs> Lots of times it's heart-wrenching, painful, and you have to get rid of like non-helpful behaviors. And, you know, and people say, oh, well, everybody needs to grow and growth's a challenge. You're like, awesome. And so since we want growth, here's the challenge. And it's, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not going to grow in those ways. And and that doesn't get us to the destination where we need to go. Right. And what's interesting is that, so we're recording this here at the end of February 2021, been dealing with this pandemic now for almost a year in the United States, and uh, probably should have been dealing with it longer than a year. But um, the I, I think it's been especially challenging for people to, during the pandemic, um, you know, to, to be in a world in which people are really trying to be positive all the time. You know, if you are dealing with uh, a, a level of positive toxic uh, toxicity in your organization or your team, it's especially grating during these times, right? It's like, come on, it's just not real. Yeah, it's everything is still coming unglued. And mm -hmm. we just got to look it in the face and say, this is where it's at right now. I know you now Ben and I have a great time doing this podcast, but there have been some mornings when we've sat down to do this episode where we look at each other like, oh man, you having <laughs> a rough day? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Right. You know, now it's nice because as we start to do the episodes, you perk up a little bit, but we're under no delusion that there's like a base level of struggle right now globally due to the pandemic, due to financial situations, due to job, due to um Kids not being in school, depending on what state or region you're in, you know, all of these things, 46. So half of you guys that have painted this toxic positivity aren't maybe being truthful about what's really going on in your lives. Right. Now, I do want to emphasize that, it, you know, it is possible 
to choose your attitude, to choose your approach, to find hope and optimism in the face of the abyss. However, what's not okay is for someone who's going through tough times to be told that they need to hold back their their negativity or that they need to only be positive um, and judging them for not maintaining uh, that type of outlook on life. So I think that's an important note here. Yeah, sometimes if they're in your bubble, somebody needs a hug and just to be able to cry it out for a little while. Yeah. Sometimes you might need to just put on some sad music to, you know, work through it. Right. But let's let's talk about some signs. Toxic positivity, it could kind of be subtle, right? Right. Um, one of them is brushing off problems rather than facing them. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so just kind of, uh, it, you know, it's, again, this is avoidance. And by the way, we're now um, looking at some some good ideas from an or uh, from an article by Laura Gallagher. And this was in an article she wrote at Fast Company. And uh, it's called There's a Dark Side to Looking on the Bright Side. Here's a healthier antidote. So and she's an actual IO site person. So yeah, good on Fast Company. Fast Company can be kind of pop business literature. Mm-hmm. Good on them for publishing somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. Yeah, so we'll post a link to that in the show notes too. But yeah, brushing off problems rather than facing them. That is a sign of potential toxic positivity. Yeah, feeling guilty about being sad, angry, or disappointed. And, (laughs) you know, behind that is that delusion that somehow people should never feel sad, angry, or disappointed. Yeah, everything is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. Yeah. Uh, You know, hiding your true feelings behind feel-good quotes that seem more socially acceptable, you know, Um, those types of things are, are, are certainly signs that there's this going on. Hiding or disguising how you really feel, uh, minimizing other people's feelings because they make you feel uncomfortable, right? I think that's oftentimes what's going on. I think it's I think it's fairly common when someone expresses displeasure with an idea or is just having a tough time. It seems like oftentimes there's a react a natural reaction to try to kind of. Um, do things to make yourself feel more comfortable, right? That's that's where it's, oh, well, look on the bright side. If that person's in a place where, no, there is no bright side right now. Maybe they just need to sit with that. And you need to say, look, I, I don't have an answer for you. I don't have good words to say right now. But, you know, I can see that this is really troubling you. And that that affects me. And I I care. Right. That's kind of all you need to say in those types of moments. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, hey, here's a cup of water. Let me just sit with you. Yeah. Right. Um, Another one is just shaming people. And I see this all the time. Mm. Well, why? Hey, Fred, just have a positive attitude, you know, Mm. or or any any things. And we have these some of them are nonverbal cues where somebody says something they're feeling bad or they think the project's derailing or they're sad. And then everybody just kinds of looks at them and the tacit understanding is like, we don't share bad information here. Hmm. Hmm. And you look at the project management literature about how many projects fail or derail for a bunch of these other social reasons. But that's one of them that's like, hey, this thing's going to fail. Hey, man, we're all looking for other jobs right now. You just need to stay positive so we can all jump ship. You know, that's, <laughs> we don't want to go down that path either. Yeah, yeah. Well, and sometimes you'll have a maybe a, even a leader who is so despised by his or her team that, you know, people are willing to just, okay, we'll play along with the positivity thing and we'll just let you drive this thing right off the rails, you know, while we sit and uh, 
brush up our LinkedIn profiles. (laughs) (laughs) And then another thing is just being stoic. Mm -hmm. And like, if I just, if I don't display any emotions, I'll get over these painful things in time. But you guys generally have to, you're, human psyche has to process these things and it's going to go through a gamut of feelings while it's doing that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Great. So we've talked about what toxic positivity is. We've talked about why it's harmful and some ways to spot it in your organization. So let's turn our attention now, perhaps to some implications for all of us with this idea of toxic positivity. Uh, So what, what can we do with this information, Chris? Well, first of all, you can't force it. Like, Fred, be happy now, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put it on your annual review. Fred was not happy in the month of February. You know, yeah. that's you can't do that. Well, you and need... I, Actually, I think it usually happens in a more subtle way. It's like right. you know, d- displaying a bad attitude. Well, was it a bad attitude, or was it that this person was realistic about what a sack of garbage your project was? You know, of course, sometimes, at least in the army, there have been some bad projects you have to do anyway. Well, well, this is a bad idea, but we're doing it, you know, and and that's okay too. But somebody's like, you know, I just don't really feel it on this project. Hey, I know that, but we're going to go ahead and do it because that's the direction we decided. And it's okay to feel negative. Hey, I'll get you beer tomorrow after work. You know, Mm -hmm. these kinds of things that you can't force a level of emotional things. Now, one of the things that I do see from leaders, though, is, hmm, you know, they put something out and they're looking around at their team. Oh, these two people don't look so happy. And they become obsessed with that person's emotional status at the time, mm-hmm. as if it's some commentary on their leadership quality or them as a person or something like that. You don't. You need to be aware of those signals and check in, but you don't necessarily have to feel bad about yourself as an individual on this planet unless you're really screwing up on purpose, right? <laughs> so so just be aware of that, that you can check in with people's emotions. These are emotions. Um, everyone has all kinds of variety of things going on, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're sitting around with your team and you're brainstorming an idea or talking about a complex issue... Um, you know, and someone brings up a display, some sort of negative emotion about it, or, um, expresses some displeasure, perhaps, uh, you know, explore it and try to understand it. Don't cat, you know, ostracize that person for not being positive. Um, because that's not going to be helpful. Yeah. People get triggered by some of this stuff. Um, there was a variety of things that happened, you know, this year and last year. There, there were some riots where people just weren't happy about some stuff. And people's, a lot of people's initial response is, how dare they? And yes, I mean, I think like how did, that was my response to the Capitol um, bum rush that happened on January 6th, right? Right. But, but we also, when we just stay scandalized by the emotion of the time, we miss an opportunity to address what's going on. So rather than, when, like for Black Lives Matter, oh my God, well, wait a minute. My response was, and look, here's some sideways toxic, oh, the better response is, yeah. no, see, <laughs> toxic, us, posi- toxic positivity, right? <laughs> yeah. No, but one of the things we can do as leaders is say, hey, I see you're unhappy. What's going on? 
And you're what you're you go into your learning mode and fact finding mode so you right. can make remedies where stuff might need to be remedied. That doesn't mean that everything needs to be remedied or that you have to go with everything because there may be structural concerns or anything like that. But our, one of the reactions of toxic positivity, in my view, is we don't pay attention when people cry out for help about something that they think is jacked up. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's right. You know, so being super positive about things could really come at, at the expense of obtaining a perspective that's valuable by, you know, getting closer to the truth about something. So it's it's important to remember that, you know, per, you know, diversity of perspectives can come in lots of shapes and forms and emotions. And that's not only um, acceptable, but oftentimes that's desirable. You want to have a little bit of that healthy um, you know, diversity in, in opinions. Right. It's important that we don't take on the weight of people's emotional burdens necessarily. Now, we, you know, Ben, when, when Vincent passed away, it, it was, I, I was on an emotional roller coaster and it was not my child. Right. And, and it, it's not that people can't have that level of empathy with somebody that they're not related to that somebody they care about that's going through a hard time. But when we go into our problem solving mode as leaders in organizations where somebody says, you know, I really disagree with this strategy, this path, this plan, we don't have to take on their emotional burden when it comes to how we decide things. But we do want to listen. That's that's what being an empathetic leader. So what you're saying is this. You feel about our strategy is this. That's let me take that into consideration. And then you can come back and respectfully talk about, hey, we are actually, this business is going to get out of this business because we think it's ethically the right thing to do. I recognize you may feel something different. And if you need to seek employment elsewhere, I'll support that, you know, or, you know, these are healthy ways because I have an emotional state. You have an emotional state. Other people have different emotional state. We don't have to take on the burdens of emotions, we can have our own emotions. At the end, feeling negative isn't a bad thing. Right. You know, it's just a feeling. And mm -hmm. having those feelings is what makes us human. Right. We're not That's the right. Borg or robots here, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've talked on this podcast many times about this idea of psychological safety and its importance in teams and the importance of leaders creating environments in which people feel like they can take interpersonal risks. That's kind of the definition of psychological safety. And, you know, when you are trying to be positive all the time, when you are enforcing this norm that negativity is taboo, then, you know, that's not psychological safety. You know, that is, a, that's enforcing some sort of false, um, you know, uh, front that people have to put on. Um, people aren't going to be able to take those interpersonal risks, right? They're not going to be willing to say, no, we should not <laughs> launch the space shuttle today. No, you made a mistake. Um, here's what I see as a problem with this idea. So remember that, you know, toxic positivity will destroy your ability to have a psychologically safe team environment. 
Yeah. And it's about taking actions too, right? You know, it's not about, oh my gosh, you know, Ben, you come to me with some bad news. Oh my gosh. Oh my. And I'm just wallowing in that. That becomes a data point that should inform a choice of action, either, uh, you know, communicating why we're going to keep on the path that we're on or, oh, shoot. Well, we need to change that. You know, if half the team feels negatively and I can change this, this isn't a big deal. What? Gosh, I mean, nothing's worse than being in the leader's seat and nobody talking to you about how you're screwing up. And you're like, man, I, I, I'd fix things, yeah. um, which leads to kind of a social media aspect of this, because, you know, we have this broader life. So if if you have a hard time, if you're going through an emotionally hard time right now, binging on a bunch of fake, you know, Instagram posts and Facebook about how everybody's kids and families are perfect. Maybe you lost your job and you don't want to go onto the Reddit. I just got a promotions forum because it reminds you about how everybody got a promotion, but you or something, right. right? Like sometimes just be careful about the stuff that you're ingesting and you might want to limit your social media consumption if that's not a good, healthy thing for you. Right. You know, it, social media has, you know, it, there are many benefits, I think, to social media. It's not all bad. Um, but one thing that it has done is, is it has amplified people's ability to portray or curate this image of themselves. And we oftentimes choose to do that in a very positive way. And so, you know, if you are going through tough times, it sometimes can feel like not only are people sharing only positive things about themselves, but they're also rubbing your face in it. And so, yeah. you know, watching the social comparison that you're doing is very important. Watching how much you consume of that stuff is very important uh, just for your own, you know, well-being. Yeah. So when somebody walks in without a smile on their face in the office in the morning, right? That, don't be like, what was that office space quote? Oh, somebody's got a case of the Mondays, right? You're reminding me of this. If you haven't seen Office Space, it was a sleeper hit. Great movie. Has yeah, all no, this no, kind I'll, of I'll stuff. put it this way. If you have not seen Office Space, you're wrong. wrong. I, I'd be surprised if you're listening to our podcast, <laughs> if if you're in a English-speaking country. But yeah. it's, it's okay not to be okay, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes people are like, you know, I had to drive back to my house because my pit kid puked on my shirt on the way to daycare or something yeah. you know like there's a whole host of things give people some bandwidth for a a range of emotions a whole sure. palette of humanity there and, um, and i think that that doesn't mean necessarily that you ignore uh negative emotions like if someone is obviously going through a tough time i think you know you can you can check in on that person without enforcing a norm of toxic positivity right you can go say you know, hey, you know, I, I noticed X, Y, or Z about you today. You know, what anything you want to talk or about? Sometimes it's like do? they have a they have a bad face on that says with a yeah. scowl, and you just like, hey, you good? Okay, yeah. and then give them the space to process their emotions without checking in on them until they're. I'm going to keep checking in until you're happy. Right. Oh right. my god. Yeah. So yo, know, what did you say? If you want happiness all the time. Get, yeah. get a dog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want if you want everybody to be happy when you walk in the door, well, th th you know that's not how humans operate. But it actually is how another species operates. Those little canines, you know, 
Uh, we just got a dog. So, yeah, they're very happy yeah, to see. Ben got a dog. His name's Oscar. The, the picture's going in the show notes. <laughs> Anytime you're having a bad day, just check in for some yes. puppy our, positivity. Yeah, our, our little mini golden doodle. So, uh, yeah, he's about nine weeks old as of this uh, as of today. So fun stuff. Great. And so another thing is people have deaths in their families. And and their networks, uh, people get divorced. They face challenge. I remember the first time, I, I, you know, as a young person, I was in a job and and this one of the bosses, you know, was getting a divorce. And I remember how painful my parents' divorce was. Mm. And here this guy's trudging through work and everything. And I was like, man. Yeah. But, you know, in this idea of professionalism, it's like, oh, you must keep your sterilized. You must sterilize the professional environment and you stay over there in your cubicle of whatever, because ew. <laughs> and you have to talk in that accent as well. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, it's this idea that people yeah. were kind of they're like, oh, sorry to hear that. <clears throat> so anyway, talking about last quarter's earnings, you know, and they had. Rather yeah. than checking in and validating that person's experience as a human. Right. And, and you know, people going through these types of things, they may have some decreased productivity for a while. And I guess, you know, that's where you as an organization, as a senior leader, you know, as a curator of culture within your organization need to think about, do I want long-term, you know, advocates for this organization who are going to you know, be able to have tough times and rebound and really contribute? Or am I just going to be a machine that spits people out if their productivity dips by the slightest? And I would argue that, you know, the the former approach, the um, allowing people to be humans is the better one for the long run. Right. I mean, we live in a culture like our fiefdoms of organizations don't exist alone. So I know there've been a few times I've had to put some people out of the army. Um, for some reasons. And, you know, some people gloated a little bit. Ah, well, you know, he was a total screw up anyway. And, mm. and I was like, well, what, man, why would you say that? Okay. We throw them out of the army, but they still live in our country. Yeah. We still have to deal with people in our societies and our organizations and our churches and our neighborhoods, these kinds of things. And so we should handle that with care because, you know, what's those, little hangers they put on uh, minivans, baby on board. You know, we have special cargo on board our teams and our organizations and our society, and we should treat it that way. Right, right. You know, at a higher level, I think this a lot of this comes back to organizational culture, those deep norms, those assumptions, those values that you have within groups and within larger enterprises. And some organizations can create these cultures in which it's just unacceptable to be negative, where you have this toxic positivity. And as we mentioned, this is very problematic. It's problematic for many reasons, uh, one of them being that it can lead to covering up problems, ignoring problems. And uh, you know, I think at, at the highest level here, um, avoiding toxic positivity occurs through reinforcing better norms, better ways of relating with each other. Um, you know, through leaders, uh, but also among peers and through other interactions that you have um, with each other. So I think paying attention to culture is a key part of, of this entire equation. Awesome, Ben. Well, let me bring it back home. So today we talked about toxic positivity, what it is and, you know, how what forms it takes. 
We talked about why toxic positivity could be harmful and implications for us as people in society, leaders, and organizations. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.